millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's up, y'all? This week on the pod, I'm talking with friends of mine called Cara Dillon and Sam Lakeman. It's a change to the advertised schedule, but I can do that because it's my pod. We did have legendary photographer and filmmaker Danny Clinch planned for this week, but he's working on something awesome that we can't talk about right now. And I know you want to hear about it, so I made the executive decision to hold off on that episode. Trust me, it'll be worth it. So back to my guests this week. Kara and Sam are award-winning folk musicians with over 40 years in the music biz between them and a global following. We get into it about the changing state of the music biz today. Uh, do you feel like a running thing is happening here? Because I do. Kara's upbringing in Northern Ireland and how that influenced her music, technology, and navigating the modern world as a parent. Sam does a great child-friendly sound check at the start. You should check it. And room service busts in about five minutes in, wondering what the hell we're doing. But it's kind of funny, so we kept it in, because it's real. And I got a heads up for you on that merch giveaway, y'all. I've been thinking about it. I'm extending it for another week. You got another week to get your name and email address entered over at HueyMorgan.com to be in a chance to win a bunch of dope Huey merch, including an exclusive Huey t-shirt, an exclusive hashtag the people's champ hat. No one has these yet. To hot off the press for you but only if you sign up at HueyMorgan.com, so do that. We also got some signed prints of my good self and signed copies of my book, Huey Morgan's Rebel Heroes, to give away. So do it. One more week. No catch. Just cool free shit, yo. Can you speak a little bit, Karen? How's it going? Can you hear me? What's it like? Is it all good? I think it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, I think it's good. Okay. And Sam? Yeah, one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah, I'm going to just uh, put a little... Penis, cock, penis. Okay, for the children. All right, I'll just give you a little boost on the input level. I think that's good. I'm kind of going to do this because then kind of one goes Do you want, do you want to sit down. here, Pat? No, 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 you stay there. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, uh, I, before this actually starts, I do like an intro. Yeah, yeah. So, the uh, Kara's obviously Kara, and Sam's obviously Sam, because one's a lady, one's a man, and I'm obviously the dude from New York, so it's good <laughs> to have you with me. Uh, I, when I first spoke to you guys about doing this podcast, it was interesting for me, because I was talking to you about, we were doing the school run together, I was talking to you about how you guys actually still sell CDs. Yeah, we do. And, like, we're putting out a new, we're putting out, like, uh, reissues of our vinyl, and people are buying it, and we're like, holy shit. But it's almost, it, like... And the thing that really stumped me was how certain certain crowds of, of music fans will still buy stuff. And you were like, people buy my CDs all the time. Yeah, yeah, we were on the road a lot, and um, we sell an awful lot of merch, a lot of CDs at gigs. I mean, our audience, admittedly, is a lot older. They're mm. still in the, you know, everyone who comes to our shows is 35 plus, mostly. Mm. So, but they've um, got money. Yeah, well, they've that's got the money. thing. There's nothing wrong with that, though, you know, yeah. They, yeah. They, they're prepared to... You know, buy the ticket and then stand for an hour afterwards and get a CD signed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, um, but also yeah. they're, they're they're creatures of habit. You know, they spent twenty years plus probably living with CDs as a format anyway, mm-hmm. and vinyl before that. Yeah. Some of them, so they're used to going and buying a product and enjoying it. And they've got a CD player in their car. They might only have you know twenty five CDs sitting on their shelf in their kitchen with a wee CD player yeah. there, and and they're used to going making the Sunday roast and sticking on a mm. thing or having a dinner party, that's still the way that they process and enjoy music. Yeah. So when we do a gig, you know, and we sell, you know, dozens or sometimes, you know, hundreds of CDs after a show, it's, it's a really large part of our, um, 
of our career and our sort Yeah, of, I can't imagine you know, not doing that. No. It wouldn't yeah, be I mean, great. I, yeah, I, it, the thing that kind of baffles me is like I was, I was, yeah, because they do the radio shows in London. I go into yeah. London and I just check the charts and, the, and, and I'm like, what, what is this? And, and then I look at who's selling what and they're not yeah. really moving many units. No. They're streaming. Huge yeah. quantities. And, yeah. and so like if you stream, I think about 10 times it counts as a buy or 100 That's times, right. something like or 50 or whatever it is. Yeah. But it's not actually purchasing something. No. And you're right about people digesting music different. I mean, and it might be a generational thing, but like, like you go to uh, Sainsbury's now and they have vinyl there. They have yeah. like yeah. Duran Duran and right. Black Sabbath. Yeah, and, you know. yeah exactly. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? So yeah. it's, it's, does a res- it has a resurgence because the company that started putting out Demon was started putting out the Fun of the Criminals albums, like reprinting them, like yeah, the 20th yeah. anniversary of the first one, they're doing 100% Colombian. I was like, you guys really think this is going to make you any money? They're like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm rolling my eyes like, okay, signing it for me, okay, man, yeah, good there's luck. Like, there's a back end that's yeah. hard to quantify as well. When people own a product, it sits in their house and they talk about it and they, they mm-hmm. you know, cherish it to a little, to a certain extent. You know, with vinyl, they cherish it a lot more than they would with CDs. But if it's sitting in someone's house, we found with one record we released back in 2008 slash nine, we released this very acoustic folksy record and um, we put it out there and we didn't do a very big push because it was the financial crash and all marketing everything fell apart and you know no one knew if um if there'd be a music industry after the financial crash it was crazy <laughs> well and there's always um, vice and you know like i used to have a bar in, a couple <laughs> bars in dublin and when all that thing went down yeah. and ireland was getting tanked yeah. my partner's like we're doing fine yeah I was like, everybody's, everybody's you know just you know, oh my god just, yeah. give yeah. me a yeah. bottle of whiskey should have fucked whiskey. up <laughs> but like we we found we put this record out and it was i think it's one of our best records but we found that People were enjoying it at home, but they kept enjoying it. So we had this constant residual sales uh, through online sales through Amazon and HMV mm-hmm. of physical units. People were obviously going to dinner parties, obviously going out of people's houses, car sharing, mm-hmm. listening to this music, enjoying it, and then going and ordering it themselves. Oh, that's cool. uh, and those aren't the same people who stream. Oh, no, we're fine, thanks. Okay. <laughs> uh, room service. Room no, service. No, was it room service or housekeeping? I don't know. <laughs> oh, let, me, let me get that. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to be at two minutes. We ain't doing anything. I'm just recording a little something. We'll be out in like half hour or so. Okay. All right, sorry about that. All right. It's weird because you open up a hotel and they see more than one person. They're like, one or two people. Like, oh, my God. What are they doing in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, baby. Not him again. Yeah. <laughs> Not this dude. I, mean, I had some history with this place before it was actually part of the Soho house back right. in the day. I'll tell you about it off the camera. Yeah. Off the camera. So, <laughs> they're the camera. us. Yeah, they're in there. They're in there. Yeah, but you're actually right with that. It's when when people have something that they like, they're yeah. proud of it. They yeah. they they'll play it for their friends, especially music, because music is, you know, for lack of a better term, it's our lives, right? That's yeah. what we do. Yeah, we'd be and doing it if we didn't make any money anyway. That's what. But yeah, I, I like, yeah. Then that's the thing when you find these little things that like, because I thought that was super interesting. Because bands like I was talking about, being on a heritage back kind yeah, of, like yeah. we're doing heritage festivals. Those are good. Because you do have younger people coming to check it out because they know the songs. But you have the older people, like you said before, that have, you know, they have careers, they have lives, they have a little extra money to spend. Yeah, and yeah. they're not predisposed to go, you know what, I'm just going to stream that on my yeah. on my wireless device in my kitchen. <laughs> you know, they'll be like, no, I'm going to buy a CD, put it in the CD player, or yeah. buy the record, put it on. But I remember when I was a kid, you know, like I, I have, you know, I had like a job or whatever, or chores. I get like, you know, five bucks a week from my mom and yeah. I go buy a record with that, right? Or 45 or whatever. Mm. So I wouldn't buy something unless I heard it, right? Yeah. Or I'd take people's advice. Yeah. And that was the thing, like you'd actually ask people. There wasn't this, this kind of like, because we have a second brain, I think, like in this generation, it's like Google. So if you don't know yeah. anything, it's okay. Google will. Yeah. So you could be a dumb fuck. That's and if you, if you didn't know what you're going to do, it. just go, well, I don't know that, but yeah. my Google does. And then because your yeah. phone's smart, you, you assume you're intelligent, which yeah. isn't the case. So yeah. a lot of stuff I don't really appreciate, but I do appreciate, you know, the old school way of, you know, putting on headphones, listening to music, closing your eyes, and then a movie starts. Mm-hmm. You know, that was really impressed upon me at a young age. Yeah. And I think that stays with you for your whole life. Yeah. So yeah. if you are over a certain age, that's how you do stuff, right? Well, it's like buying a book, isn't it? Yeah. I well, mean, I, I just you... love having something physical. Like, if I'm into something, I want the CD to be able to... It gives you a wee insight as to what the people are all about, really. Mm-hmm. And, like, we always try and put lyrics in and... You know, the artwork, there's a whole package there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it's belittling an artist, I think, if you're not, like, given a wee bit extra, but you know, But as a CD. human, you're sort of investing uh, emotion in the product as well mm-hmm. because you've made that choice to purchase it. Yeah. And even if someone gives you one as a gift, 
you're going to listen to it, you know. Um, you, d- you can read anything online, like you said, but when you go to a bookshop and buy a book, yeah. you read that book and yeah. you process it and you savour it and you might not like it and you might put it down halfway through, yeah. but you gave it a shot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, tell I remember hearing, what was it, uh, this band Rockpile? It was Dave Edmonds and Nick right. Lowe. They put right. a record out, like one record out in the mid-80s sometime. And I bought the record and I didn't get it the first time. But I couldn't go, fuck it, I'm just going to give it back because I had already <laughs> bought it. So <laughs> my mind, I was saying to myself, Oh, I didn't get it this time out. Yeah, I'm going to keep trying to get it. And then I started realizing, oh, yeah, 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 it's like this. It's like, right. you know, he's doing this 50s throwback kind of Del Shannon thing. Yeah. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> but it took me a while. If that was Spotify, good. you wouldn't have given yeah. it five minutes. You would have listened exactly. to it and skipped to the next playlist. I learned more about myself doing mm. that, mm-hmm. you know, just as a person. Like, you, you get, okay, if I don't understand something right off the bat, like a book yeah. or whatever, yeah. you'll reread a page or, re- you know, that's what your mind does to yeah. try to understand the world around you. I think if you're just going, if the world doesn't understand me, fuck it, it's yeah, not a great yeah. way to be nope. going out there, you know, because yeah. it doesn't really work out for you in the end. But you're right. I think it might be a generational thing as well, because, you know, younger generations now, if, if the world doesn't meet their expectations, there's another version of the world. <laughs> yeah, they just fucking, they go to a different website, <laughs> log in there and go, oh, that, that makes me feel normal. That's so crazy and true. Yeah. It's weird because we got kids about the same age. Your yeah, boys yeah. are a little bit older. But it's one of those things as a dad, you try to instill, or a, a mom more importantly, you mm. try to instill... Uh, you know, keep the sensitivity in yourself, you know, because that's the thing. Kids are super sensitive. And, it, yeah. and like, if you want to be a good parent, you kind of have to be sensitive again, too. Yeah. So I think we start opening up our heart and all these slings and arrows come back a yeah. second time, right? That's right. So I was I was thinking, like, even with, with the really young kids, they'll probably have the values that that skipped this last generation. Like, the kids who are 20 now are just streaming and doing whatever. Yeah. I think the kids nowadays are into things that are more tactile. Yeah. Everyone's learned a lesson, I think. From yeah. their, I, I kind of think it's about like a lost generation. It's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I've got nieces and nephews who are that age, who are in their 20s. Yeah. And like, they're so obsessed with Facebook and, and smartphones like, and, you know, it's, it's so scary. You like completely. I Look, I'm the first to admit that anything you've said, I've said that shit before. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll sit around and be like, these kids today, yeah. in my day, you know, yeah. that's how I start sentences now, in my day or back yeah. in the day. Yeah. No, I think you're right though. I yeah, think, but I think now our kids, like, they, we're aware of how it's all gone fucking wrong, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And so we're all trying to not let that happen. And I yeah. think sometimes we're nearly going a wee bit Too on the other, the other side way. of it. Yeah. Like, I'm like, no, no, you can't have the iPad. Why? <laughs> well, I don't know why. Just because I'm saying no. Yeah. Go outside and play on the trampoline. You know, get some fresh air or something. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I doing that again? Isn't this supposed to be good? Mm. I remember Elizabeth's teacher in reception <laughs> at the first, what do you know, first parent-teacher meeting. Miss Fraley? Yeah. Yeah. And she goes, um... Okay, so everything's fine, everything's cool, like, she's lovely, whatever. There's only one area that I think she really, really, you need to focus on this. And I'm like, Don't what? say, like, computers. Yeah. They said, said the same shit to me about my wife. Seriously. Like, yeah. I was like, this kid knows the four-finger program, yeah. swiping on iPad, telling yeah. me he teaches me shit. I know. Yeah. And then I'm like, do you know, I'm really not really that worried about <laughs> it's that. It's because you all have PCs in this yeah. place. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You all got shitty PCs, you man. You can't use the mouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kid's rocking Apple, man. He knows what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better interface. Voice commands. Yeah, exactly. All this mouse Business. Something was killing me yesterday. I was watching something with uh, Kevin Hart on Netflix, uh-huh. and he said his dad was fucking with his iPhone. He was like, Cyrus! Cyrus! <laughs> Cyrus, let me know the nearest pizza shop. Then it's like, excuse me, Cyrus? It's, you know but for Cyrus us, would be such a better name. <laughs> oh, totally. Cyrus. He'd be the dude from the Warriors. That's what Can you dig it? That guy. Siri in Game of Thrones would be Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, that's kind of like, that's how... You know, we kind of envision ourselves like kind of like getting our head around Siri or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the kids that are twenty, they're they're so in, I, in a lot of ways. I think they're so caught up in the whole fucking technology of it. Yeah. And then kids, kids that we have, the kids our age, yeah. are just like, this is just a tool to get me to yeah. where I need to go. Yeah, there's so no sort like, of sparkling. There's yeah, no bell and whistles like, to it. It's just a key, man. It's, it's, it's maybe yeah. an electric key, but yeah. it's just a key, that's and that's kind of like I think that's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's like. If you turned up to a house and they just invented stairs, you go up and down. Yeah. Yeah. And the next person goes around yeah. in a circle. This yeah. is bugging me out. Like the, yeah. you know. Yeah. I don't know. But one thing we found with um, the older generations as well is that they they've seen it all. You know, they were there when Bob Dylan first sang, you know, yeah. when electric, and they saw the Beatles, or they might have seen Mark Knopfler, and you know, they've seen and they've honed their taste. And is that just the, what is this? So, the, yeah, they just know their shit. Yeah. So when they come out to a gig and see us play, or when they want to purchase our music, they've made a very decisive choice 
and they really know and they stand it's, it's, it's like a it's them standing there and nailing their flag to a flagpole and, and I feel so blessed when they do that um, but it, it says something about them so when they then buy it and take it home it becomes part of their world. Yeah. It's part of their lexicon, right? Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's now, it. I wanted to ask you about when you were growing up, because you guys met when, when Young, you guys were yeah. well, you But the thing is, your husband and wife, I, I might have said that in the intro, but yeah. it's true, your husband and wife. Yeah. And you guys, you were singing with your sisters, a little bit background? So yeah. I grew up in like a one-horse town what? in Northern Ireland, a wee place called Dungiven. Ungiven? Like, dumb. Oh, dumb I thought it was like ungiven. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a goddamn Western yeah. ungiven. Never done taking. Please, but ungiven. That's a great name. We had two orders, we had that to eat one. So much <laughs> better. Um, but, like, honest to God, like, music there, and I think, you know, in Northern Ireland, you know, obviously the whole 70s and all, well, I was growing up in the 80s, and the culture there, everybody is clinging to every single bit of the tradition and culture because it's been threatened for years you know with the whole war yeah. and so um you know every three times a week i'd be in the local pub when i was like seven right through till i was 16 in the back room of a pub with a lemonade and a bag of crisps and i'm surrounded by like old men women other youngsters friends my own age at school and we're all sitting there i'm sometimes really bored but excited because you're allowed to stay up late yeah. on the school night with the bag of crisps and the lemonade and you're listening to these old songs with old men with no teeth singing, you know, maybe somebody who's in their 80s. And you're, you know, looking back now, it was such a privileged upbringing. I just sat and soaked it all up, didn't even know what I was doing. And then everybody had to play something. And some of them were amazing musicians. And you just sit and look at them and go, oh my God, you know, you get goosebumps, somebody picking up a fiddle. And you'd be like, how did they make a jump and like come alive like that? And then they'd get to the, the youngsters in the crowd and they'd say, play a, play a tune, Cara. And I'd pick up the fiddle and play a tune and they'd say, would you sing a song? This would go on to like two in the morning. <laughs> you only a wee in, you know. Yeah. And you, you sing a song because you've heard it so many times. You know it by osmosis. Mm-hmm. You don't even know what you're singing about. Some old man who's left and went to America, emigrated. But it's really, I, looking back now, that's who I am. Yeah. It has completely formed me as a person. Yeah. And um, you, you, you absorb all this shit and you don't yeah. even know you're doing it. Yeah. And... Um, you know, you were handed the fiddle, the whistle at school. You were taught a bit of the language. It was such a powerful tradition. Mm. Well, it was a um, living tradition, you know, yeah. Yeah, which, is, which is a bit different to this country yeah. where, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's pockets of living tradition in this country still, but um, for the most part, it's a little bit like a perpetuated historical society. It's enthusiasts who are trying to continue yeah. this sort of lost heritage. To a certain extent. I don't want to belittle it too much. But. I, th- but I think that's kind of like, that says a lot about like, you know, how people live their lives in general. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I kind of imagine you guys are the type that would have your parents around your kids mm-hmm. and have them learn from them kind of that kind yeah. of way. I think that's really important because in society or I guess in culture now, which is kind of this weird, in this weird flux, it seems that there's a lot of, a lot of people who are in society now that think that anything, everything happened before sucked. Yeah. Right, yeah. so just yeah. let's cut it off. Yeah. Not even like Puff Daddy, who would take a disco song from yeah. t- fifteen years ago, and, and you know, and yeah. people listen to now go Puff Daddy. Huh? But like he did that, and it was kind of like people were like I never heard that song before. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like well, it was a hit fifteen years yeah. ago. Yeah. Like, oh, I never, I don't listen to old stuff. And that's the thing. I think a lot of times, even with like you see what's going on in the music today, like if yeah. you listen to like in, in this country, like Radio One or yeah. some of the commercial, right? I I can see where people are trying to be clever and going back and kind of just taking things. But I think sometimes they're taking the wrong idea. Yeah, yeah. And they're not taking the whole idea of what these hey, guys are trying to do. remember all through the 80s and 90s, though, there was this... I remember discovering so many popular songs that were huge hits for contemporary artists. You know, they, it might have been your Take That and your Westlife and or your whatever, but they were covering old Motown or Soul mm-hmm. members from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And they were doing them in a sort of contemporary pop way. And you thought it was a song of theirs. And then it was only... You know, years later, listening to Radio Two in the daytime, you go, "Oh my God, <laughs> that's the original from like 1965 yeah. or the yeah. 50s or whatever." Now, when you were when you were in Northern Ireland, <clears throat> when you started, did you still go from like pubs to stage like pretty quick, or was it like a church thing? Or? No, it was. Um, so when I was at um, secondary school, um, me and my two best friends at school, um, somebody came in one day and said, um, "Should we go? You know, tonight we're all playing music in the pub. How about you know? Do you fancy forming a band?" And I was like, I don't know. And it was coming up to the summer. 
And, um, you know, there was lots of my friends were going to sort of pick tulips and stuff like that. <laughs> you earn money. And yeah, okay. I, 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 I thought it was just something, that a euphemism for something, yeah. you know, pick tulips. Stacking um, turf, do you yeah. know what oh, I mean? Yeah, the yeah. fields, they would do that there. And then um, this friend, Rory of mine, he said, well, why don't we just go and play music and try and get like a gig at a festival or something? And I'm like... Well, look, I'm up for it. If you, you you just tell me if it works out. So were you you already playing fiddle, I pretty good. Fiddle, but I, you playing pretty good though. You were hanging out in the pubs with the old yeah, man. They were exactly. giving you some good no, tips. You know, yeah. I did, I did play it, and um, and so next of all, he came in and he goes, right, you know, we're going, we're going to Scotland, and we're going to England, and I'm going this summer, and he goes, yeah, we've got like half a dozen festivals. Damn. And I said, how did you do that? And it turns out we called ourselves. Wait for this. This will be interesting. How do you pronounce O I G E? O I G E. Really, orgy? No. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, no, it was actually called Oiga, right? Oiga. Which is Irish for youth. They, you oh. know, he came up with this name. And we got booked. Everybody just thought, oh, these, these new kids Yemens. from Northern Ireland formed this folk super band and, like, we're going to book them. And we had never done a gig in our lives, but well, we turned you, up. Were your parents, were they musical? No, not really. My grandmother would yeah. have been... I, she died when I was, I was like three, but she was a singer and they lived in the middle of a mountain and they would have Keelys and she would sing so all these that, real songs. Did that allow your parents to go, yeah, you can go on tour? Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I don't know what parents would be like, yeah, go on tour. Yeah, have yeah I can't believe looking back now because I was a mistake in our family. I'm a baby out of six. You know, I was not meant to be here. You know, oh, you, Well, you were the youngest of the family? Yeah, my mother's 86 now. You oh, know? okay. My mom's 80, so I came a little bit late, but I was yeah. the only child. She, after me, they were like, no, you can't have Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I, I remember saying, okay, so we're going to go to England and, you know, what do you think about that? And she went, ah, you'll be all right. You're along with Rory and Mara okay, and they're fantastic. And um, as long as you, you know, just, you know, behave yourself and uh, we'll see. You. And they were so trusting. But I think they kind of knew I just, that was all right. Yeah, what you won't get a foot wrong. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. I guess when, we're, we're not that different from when we were kids than no. we were as adults. If anything, we've been tempered a little bit. But, yeah. I mean, Maybe, you're probably yeah. the same cool person then. So your yeah. parents like, man, they're cool. So you can kind of tell if your kids are going to hang and we're going to go yeah. completely Yeah, yeah you kind of know. But anyway, so we went and did that. And um, and then at the end of that summer, this German who lived in the town, was a bit of a elder, he said, um, I've put a, together a tour for you in Germany. Damn. And I was like, really? And so the next holiday like that there was, like East, or whatever it was, summer, summer or Easter holidays, we went for like two months. Germany really and we played sold out shows in these underground clubs and people were you talk about buying it was tapes yeah cassettes, cassettes. they yeah. were flying off the shelf and he was making a oh, yeah. fortune so he wasn't that crazy crazy yeah, like a yeah, fox yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. so we, we like I put in my time doing all that but it was I loved it it was just playing music and it was so like Hey, um, back then, look, you know, there was no internet. You know what it's yeah, like. Yeah. I'd turn out on the road with my brothers, and we went out when my older brother was 17, so I would have been 15, 16, and my youngest brother would have been 14. We'd go for seven weeks through the summer holidays on tour. So you guys, did you guys have, like, a similar upbringing? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Well, your parents, we my parents were musical, we? so yeah. they were part of the 60s uh, folk scene. So they were resident singers at the Herger Folk Club in oh. London, which was a really famous yeah. one. Uh, you know, my dad lived in the flat next to Jackson C. Frank. And, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he used to run boat clubs in, um, in Devon. Yeah, so um, they, they knew it all. And um, when they ran clubs and did gigs down in uh, Devon, where I grew up, you know, we'd have Martin Carthy or Fairport staying with us. And and so just music was just there all yeah. the time. But they never really forced it on us. It was just the osmosis thing. Music was around. It was just formed part of the landscape. So when we started playing and we started realising we could make some money at the folk clubs, we we just disappear off and do the festivals. but So then this is when it gets weird. So yeah. I'm, we're doing a gig with my little band, Oiga. Oiga. Sorry, and, I, didn't, uh, I, I, I thought there was an R in there. I don't mean... <laughs> in London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and at the end of the night, Sam and his brothers turn up because they're doing a gig somewhere. We were doing another gig in London. We were 19. Well, I was doing my A-levels. So 18. <laughs> yeah. 18. So yeah. I, I remember we said, Oiga are playing in North London at the Irish Centre. Harassing the girl, yeah. and so we drove across London after our gig, thinking there might be a session afterwards. Oh yeah, right enough. There was a music session. So that was the idea. You guys want to come and hang out? Yeah, yeah. And and play music together. Yeah. yeah. So we there did used that. to be that. Remember? That? I remember. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't like the community of of, of folk music seems yeah. a lot better than the community what I was involved in because it was it was like I remember when we first started playing. We were kind of playing around New York, and we were hanging out with like hardcore bands. We were yeah. playing with hardcore bands. So you yeah. couldn't jam at hardcore. No. You can't sit around in the living room and be like, yeah. one, two, three, four. <laughs> you know, it didn't work. But this sounds like yeah. it's like so. That's how you yeah. guys actually met. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That was it. Actually, I'd yeah. start. I tried giving her the eyes across this 
crowded bar. Bob wasn't working. There were lights, man. (laughs) Just brick wall. (laughs) And then that's it. And then I joined a band that him and his brothers were in. And then we left that and pursued our own thing. We got signed. Yeah, we got signed to Warner's end. And we've been together doing yeah, this ever since. So. That's pretty cool that you guys can work together because Becky and me are just starting to work together. Oh, hold on a second. Oh. <laughs> yeah. She's by my manager. So yeah. it's she kinda, was saying, yes. Yeah, because yeah. when I met her, she was... I think, you know, the, the hip-hop uh, DJ agency she had. Yeah. Uh-huh. She was at, like, everybody. And, like, you know, I remember... Also, it's like no one really cares as much about what you do unless they're in it with you. And I think that's cool that you guys yeah. can do yeah. that together. Like, oh, the shared experience means everything. Yeah. 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 We and you were both... You know, you're fighting from the same page. Yeah. You're just going to be motivated together, yeah. and you're you wanted to work. Yeah, like Ozzy and Sharon. That was the one that Becky said. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh gosh, <laughs> not great. I was like, really, like Ozzy and Sharon, baby girl. Okay, <laughs> maybe not that. Okay, you yeah. be Ozzy. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Stay locked on Huey off the record. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, as, as, as you guys started playing together, especially with the way, I guess within the last, what, 15 years... There's been that kind of emphasis on, I, I think, like, almost people are digesting music differently. They don't have CD players. not a ritual anymore, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, like, disposable stuff. People, I mean, I talk to, I talk to younger people, I should say, and they're talking about, oh, what's your, what's your Spotify playlist? I was yeah. like, what do you mean, what's my Spotify playlist? Like, <laughs> and they roll their eyes like this dude. But it's, like, one of those things where, you know, if I want to put a playlist together, I'm adept enough on my computer to make a playlist in my iTunes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's as far as I may burn a CD. And they're like, burn a CD? I was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, put them in the car. You know, I've, I have a little yeah. auxiliary jack, but I barely do that, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's also, uh, you know, we find an awful lot the label, I mean, we sort of subcontract an awful lot of, you know, distributors and mm-hmm. marketing people and social media. Because you run the label, yeah, right? Yeah, we run our own label. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty... And we've worked, you know, we were signed to Rough Trade for 10 years and we were with Warners for years, so we know the industry, you know. Yeah. And, um, and and we still work with a lot of industry people and we see them chasing this streaming and chasing this digital mm-hmm. media like it's some kind of last ditch hope of making of any monetizing. Well, yeah. the thing is, the, the younger kids, we talked about this before, when they do the 360 deal, mm. Like oh. some guy was telling me, hey, I'm getting this major label interest. Yeah. I was like, don't sign a 360 yeah. deal. And he texted me back, like, they want to sign this deal. I was like, yeah. don't, don't do fucking it. do it. Don't man. Do it. Yeah. But like, we, we exist in this, it's almost like a black market. We in, exist in this in totally invisible part of the music industry mm-hmm. where people still buy music. They still pay good money to come and see live music yeah. all the time. And, yeah. and the people who come and see us, uh, you know, they're not particular. Yeah, they might go and see... You know, they might be at the Ed Sheeran gig at the NEC on Friday, mm. and then they might come and see a folk band called Leverett in a small convent, or they might go it's and see... It's a spice of life, man. Yeah, you, don't yeah, have yeah. To, you don't have to be like a one type of person. I think that's, that's what... I think the, it, the, the companies now, because they're so scrambling and almost desperate, mm. they don't... 
they don't really know who their their customers are. Yeah. They just assume their customers are fifteen. Yeah, and yeah. that's not going to work. They've got, they got more money. Yeah, and they're not used to paying for yeah. anything. Well, they so. get their they get their parents to buy them a, a concert ticket or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That doesn't work out. And no. I mean, I'm kind of in the similar boat where mm-hmm. you know people who like my stuff and like your stuff, you know, they've been with you for a while. Yeah. So it's kind of like they'll come see you play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to play a festival, they'll buy a festival ticket because yeah. they'll be like, hey, there's a bunch of different things. Yeah. I like a bunch of different stuff. I like your stuff. I like yeah. Black Sabbath. I yeah. like everything. In between, if there yeah. isn't in between, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I think most people are like that with music. Yeah. yeah. And like, especially, I was surprised how my radio show keeps getting renewed every year. Because <laughs> I'm like, there's no rhyme or but reason or algorithm. It's, it's amazing. Now, we love listening to your radio show because you, you're not getting one thing. Yeah, well, that's it, the thing. It's Once amazing. I realize that if I'm doing two songs in a row that are similar, I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But tell me yeah. this. Do you have any CDs? Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a bunch of CDs. It was... It was kept a, them. Yeah, and also because the car that we have is a C, like you know because kids have those freaking story oh, CDs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what I try to do is I try to burn CDs on my on Becky's computer. I burn, I send her files. Yeah. Burn the CDs and then stick them in the car so I don't have to listen to Topsy and Tim. Yeah, yeah. You know because yeah. Topsy yeah. and Tim come on, you're like, oh, yeah, his Marvin Gaye. You know, it's Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man That's soundtrack. It. Listen yeah. to that. You know. Yeah. We had a funny one recently. Um, one of our twin boys is ten, and he he's just started guitar lessons. Of, few months ago and we took him down to the local music shop in town yeah, yeah. and um for his first lesson well, you took him in, didn't you Cara mm-hmm. and um as you were walking out the door he said you just heard the, the guitar teacher say to him so Noah do you want to do uh, like acoustic guitar or rock guitar and Noah said rock guitar like <laughs> and so now we've got this you know he's into royal blood and he just yeah. wants to hear rock guitar mm-hmm. on everything yeah. so you know we're trying to put on a bit of music that we want to enjoy and he's like no can we just stick on some more rock guitar mm-hmm. man I want to hear ACDC and I get the same shit. Yeah. What I do is I try to educate him. Like when he was in the womb, we used to play all types of music, yeah. figure out what he liked. Yeah. When he came out, the one song that will stop him is Thelonious Monk's Blue Monk. He <laughs> <laughs> goes like that. Whenever he comes out, he, goes, he just turns and looks at the sky, like, what's going on? And, and But he is attracted Brilliant. to rock music. Yeah. I, I try to play the Trouble Man soundtrack, which is a good thing. And, yeah. I, you know, because we're musicians, we try to fuck with them a little bit. We're like, all right, so what do you hear? It's like vocals, piano. Violins doing like a string line yeah. and some bass guitar. Can I listen to Rage Against the Machine now? Yeah. So it's he's he's doing what I'm asking him to yeah. do. So I guess I can't complain. I gotta no. play Rage Against the Machine. Hey, but they, they know what they they know. They know. They, they know. Um, it's just instinctive, isn't it? What they are drawn towards. We had this really fascinating experience with um, the twins when they were born, um, and we were on tour promoting like, the fourth album after the morning or the third album, mm-hmm. and. Um, Kara was pregnant with the twins all the way through touring and the doctor said right, tough. Yeah, <laughs> he was stop. like twins I'm going yeah. out on the road stop touring at six months and take the last three months off and like the day before the last gig Kara went into labour on stage at a concert and so the babies were in the womb listening to the monitors you know of the music this monitor makes sucks we're out of here who's this monitor in here we gotta go that's it I don't like this anymore so um, they were born really prematurely and spent four months in hospital but the doctors would cover up their incubators and play the album to the babies and we would watch their heart rates and blood saturation level stabilize. out and stabilise. Yeah, with music. They would do it for an hour every day because they couldn't do it to all the other children as well. And it was it was absolutely magical to watch. That's amazing. It was and amazing. it's also your mom's voice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's all that's, they'd heard. Mm, was it was those a new songs, experiment they were doing yeah. to see, you know, um, and then they said, this is, uh, this is perfect because, I mean, they've obviously been listening to music yeah. intensely since yeah. uh, since they were conceived, yeah. so I mean, you've got to like let us do this, and I yeah. said, go for it, yeah. and I said, I feel really sorry for any other babies in this yeah. world because they're all going to become like folky, <laughs> and they're not going to know why. You no, know, she could be worse. They could listen to Drake or someone yeah. like that. You know? like, oh. See, I, like a lot of these people, I don't know who they are, yeah. and every once in a while, like Becky will go to like get gas and watch come out with like one of those Grazia magazines and poor Angelina Jolie in her $25 million house with yeah. Brad Pitt's got to get split whatever but they got all these people these musicians in there I'm like hmm, who's this guy Future yeah Ooh, who's this guy Drake and I'm like I'll go check this shit out on, on YouTube or whatever I'm like oh my god they're completely horrible yeah. and that's what I think am, am I getting to be am I an old knucklehead and I'm like no I'm not an old knucklehead no, I just you know, what know what like. good music is. exactly no, but, I, but I know what good music is I think it's kind of yeah. like Maybe it's perspective or life experience. I think it's that as well. Because I'd go visit my granddad, you know, before he he passed on, and he would always be playing. He was a big band freak, Mm -hmm. and right enough, every single bit of vinyl he stuck on his thing now is an absolute classic. But at the time, (laughs) when I was listening to Mars, take the eight train out of here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, When I was listening to you know, (laughs) yeah, that was the first vinyl I bought. (laughs) I bought the volume by Mars. 
you know, I was like, God, that's just so old-fashioned and crap. Yeah. But no, it's not. It's absolute classic stuff. But also the theory in that is, we're talking about Mars, it's kind of that, that it's kind of the same kind of theory behind it where you stack yeah. certain frequencies and, you yeah. know, different melodies counteract it. it, it I, you know, especially when I was young, it was like The Clash and hip-hop yeah. and, like, and, and funny enough, Van Halen. So, like, oh, if yeah. people say, what were you listening to as a kid? I was listening to punk music hip-hop music and Van Halen music which is yeah. completely bizarre yeah, right? it's a weird mix it's a, I have a picture of me like my first gig ever at like Xavier High School's talent show because the singer in this band I had called Sudden Death yeah was and I yeah it's the picture I've, I've got a red bandana around my neck no shirt a leather check this out a leather members only jacket Nice. Great parachute pants, like those little kind of ballet shoes, dude. No, no, no. They ballet were late, not ballet shoes. <laughs> yeah, okay. But Capizio, <laughs> but Capizio was like those '80s kind of like Duran Duran white kind of right, booty things. Yeah, yeah. But I was playing a Les Paul custom because oh. this friend of mine let me use the guitar. Okay. I was like, don't matter what you're wearing, you're playing yeah. a Les Paul custom. That's it. So that's how things get cool again. But yeah. it is one of those things where I found like a common thing. Sorry. That's cool. Yeah, all right. I found a common thread between all three of those things. Yeah. And it was it was. You know, it was attitude, I think, to a certain extent. Well, maybe you can't even, like, with music, sometimes it's hard to articulate yeah, that, what well, it is you're finding but, it But also, if you, can, if you can explain it in words, then it's yeah. not that profound. Because yes. sometimes only music can yeah. change shit like that. That's it. Yeah. And I got frustrated when I first got into the music business. I'm probably, you guys have the same thing I want to talk about. It was when people say to you, oh, what's the new record like? And you're like, fuck, you really want me to do your job for you, yeah. don't you? Well, and, and, you know, know. and it's like, like say, music journalists are like the laziest yeah. ever, you know? Oh, we've had so many people like, um, do you remember that time there was a quote that was taken and oh, they had Jesus. lifted it from another quote and yeah. they had actually done it wrong? No, it was one of the oh, national mags. It was like Q or Mojo and the very first review of this particular album, they had mis- quoted, which often happens with one of my brothers, Sean or Seth, and they'd misquoted saying, uh, Cara's husband, Seth Lakeman, is on the da 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 And somebody just lifted that same, like, just totally paraphrased, just lifted it and stuck it just in another cut review. And it. Cut and pasted yeah. it. And I was like, you're not even doing your job. Just read the other yeah. fucking review and just copied it. Like, for God's sake, you're copying the mistakes, man. So, you know. Yeah. Well, with, you know, like, they always say, like, those who can do, those who can't are music journalists. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally think that's awesome and true. Yeah. And, and, you know, I remember when I was coming up, there's a band called Gay Dad. Oh, yeah. Remember, remember yeah, Gay yeah. Dad? The Gay Dad, this, <laughs> yes. this is really bugged out. It's a weird story. The only reason I know who Gay Dad is because there was, like, a cover of Melody Maker mm-hmm. that we were going to be on. Right. But then all of a sudden, Gay Dad was going to be on it. I was at EMI in London. They were like, Hugh, we got a problem. You had to come in the office. I was like, who died? And they're like, no, no, we just did talk and you know, brainstorm. So I was like, you guys don't need me to brainstorm. Oh, we want you to come in, please. Yeah, yeah. So I come in. I'm like, you know, I'm jet lagged. What do you guys want? And they're like, well, this, we have this problem with Melody Maker. And I was like, what's the problem? Like, they're not putting you on the cover. I was like, we'll live. Yeah. You know, and he's like, no. Well, the, and then the press person's like, no, no, this is there's something that you can help. And I was like, what do you want me to do? Wow. Like, you can call the the editor of Melody oh. Maker and explain to them why you should be on the cover. So I was like, why am I going to be on the cover? Because this band, Gay Dad. Yeah. I was like, what kind of name is that? Yeah. Gay Dad. And they were like, well, it's self-explanatory. It's like yeah. being reverent to gay people and fathers. I was like, oh, it's okay. Fine. So I was like, all right. And who's this? Like, why would they name themselves Gay Dad? And the guy's like, well, the guys who sing is the music journalist. I was like, oh, I get it oh, now. Yeah. I was like, don't you yeah. guys get it? Don't you see this this yeah. big picture here? Like, yeah. they're hooking up their boy because he's a yeah. music journalist. He probably wrote for them. They're like, yeah. yeah, but if you call up the, the editor, I was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Give me the phone. Right? So I call up this dude. <laughs> I get him on the phone. I'm like, what's up, man? It's you. He's like, uh, can I help you? I was like, yeah, man. Yo, why are you putting this knucklehead gay dad on the cover of the magazine? Yeah. You know they're not going to be around next year. What are you talking about? And the guy's like, I guarantee you, Huey, that they'll be bigger than you are next year. I was like, all right, I guarantee you, if that is not the case, I'm going to come to your office and slap you in the back of the head. <laughs> guy's like, guy was like, deal, Huey, and hung up the phone. And, and the record company people looking at me like, that didn't help. And I was like, <laughs> you asked, you, you asked me to come in, I'm jet lag, you, yeah. you know, probably wearing off a couple Valiums too at yeah. the time, you know. But anyway, so... A year later, I'm at the Oxygen Festival in, in Hyde Park, mm-hmm. right? Hey, Melody Maker, want to do an interview? I was like, well, tell them to do an interview with fucking Gay Dad, right? Because yeah. they pretty much came and went like yeah, within yeah. a couple months, right? Yeah. And I'm not kind of like one of those guys, but it's it's nice to gloat when you're right. So <laughs> <laughs> so the the guy who's, they have like a little, one of those little porta cabins and like every, you know, and Melody Maker have their own one. Yeah. So I went in, right? Opened the door, like boom! There was like, huh? I was like, "Where's Gay Dad?" And they're like, uh, "They're not here." I go, "They're nowhere." <laughs> Thank you very much. And then the dude who I didn't, I never met him, but the dude who was the editor gets up and walks out of the other door. I'm like, "Who's that guy?" They go, they're like, "Oh, like dude." And I was like, "Is that the guy?" And they're like, 
<laughs> so it turned out to be the guy. He actually took off. He ran. He actually thought I was going to assault him. Jeez. So I just let that kind of lie. I was like, let him think that every time he sees me. He's yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of weird because like when yeah. people try I can to, be honest and say we didn't, we never had brushes quite like that. Oh, we used to do crazy. <laughs> I mean, we used to do crazy shit, but that was because we, you know, the thing was when you know you're making music that is, that is, it's right from your heart and everybody tries to screw with it. Yeah. You know, you could, you know, in this day and age with the whole like TV show talent thing, I feel bad for kids who actually feel something here in their heart yeah. for music mm-hmm. because what can they actually do with it I that know. doesn't compromise their yeah. integrity? I know. Because it sounded like you guys actually came up keeping it here. Keeping well, we it, did, you know. but people try to break it from us. I remember mm-hmm. one time this very famous record producer tried oh to turn me, God. or tried to turn Cara against me in the middle <laughs> of like an eight-week session and ended up going out and buying all this medication that and tried to convince you to give me all this weird kind of herbal yeah. remedies and medication because yeah. I was psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it, he took it out of our, um, you know, like... It was our part of our record. record. Oh, really? Here's <laughs> <laughs> he $20,000 worth yeah. of supplements. Yeah, Please get exactly. your psychotic medication. He arrived down and he had been kind of like... For days and days he kept going, you don't need him. You stick with me, okay? You don't need Sam, okay? <laughs> and he's sitting there like, where's this dude live? And he said, you know, he's kind of mentally unhinged. And I'm like, I don't think so. And I said, you know, like me and Sam have known each other since we were like, you know. Young. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm seeing something here that you don't see. And he said, I'm going to be back in a yeah. couple of hours. And he landed back with this big brown bag. And he said, look, you know, I've went out and I've told this person that I know, my man, uh, all Sam's personality and his his little like Four weird eye. and, stuff, and he said, things that make Sam together. Sam yeah. 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 make you a cool dude let's get rid of all that yeah. let's turn you into some, yeah. some like zombie these, right I've got this I've got all these potions for him to take can you make sure he takes them <laughs> potions. I'm like, and, then, <laughs> and then dump his ass basically you know I love my wife too but she came with potions I wouldn't take them <laughs> I've been married 10 years hey, I wouldn't take the them same, the same guy turned up a couple of weeks later and bought Cara a guitar classical guitar for her birthday right? oh I think he had a little okay. different thing no, going no, on yeah but Probably want to get rid of you for a few months later. That turns up on the record advance as well. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> the recording budget to buy and a Conran vase for you. And a Conran vase for me. See, I don't even yeah. feel bad about the shit I did to EMI. Like I did this thing. We were touring with you too. We were about to go on tour with them, right? Yeah. And I had a little puppy, right. and I was like, I went up to the head of my record. This guy, David Segerson, who was a record producer. Yeah, yeah. So they're all a little bit aloof, but he was cool. And he was like, Hey, you know, I, I was like, you know, I got to do something with my dog, man. Yeah. He's like, All right, well, I know a. a, a like a, I guess it's a kennel that also teaches you dog shit. And I was like, "Cool, man. How much is that?" He's like, "Well, how long are you in a row for?" I was like, three months." He's like, "All right, we'll put down the, we'll put her down there for three months, and it's yeah. probably a thousand bucks a month. So here's a check for three grand." I was like, yeah. "Non-recoupable." He's like, "Non-recoupable." I was like, "Cool." I went out, I cashed that check, and spent it. Right? <laughs> right? I went, I brought the dog to the kennel. Yeah. Went out on tour. Yeah. Came back, picked the dog up. They're like, "Yo, where's the money?" I was like, "You built have a Segerson at EMI yeah. Records, right?" <laughs> Boom. Did not give up. You know, I didn't yeah. give a damn back then. So, I, you know, he calls me into the office one day. No, he didn't call me. He just called me up one day. He's yeah. like, this is at my phone rings at home. It wasn't like mobile phone time. I was like, hello. He's like, hey, Huey, what's up? I was like, hey, Dad, what's going on? He goes, hey, man, uh, you know, trying to be real cool about it. Didn't want to be like, yo, you robbed me, dude. Yeah. But he was like, hey, so what happened with that? Um, I was like, I spent it. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, I was like, because uh, I just had to, I had to, to to spend some more money on your dog. I was like, that's cool. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, man. And he was like, okay, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> all right, bye. And because, you know, the whole thing was like, what's three grand to a guy oh, who's like, we were also said we'd gone, just gone gold in America with the single for, so it's like yeah, 500,000 exactly. copies of a single that yeah. happened. But it was kind of cool because I was thinking to myself, you know, like as years go by, like, oh man, should I have done that shit? Well, Maybe I shouldn't have. And I think, nah, fuck it. <laughs> and you know what? You were I'm, teaching him a lesson. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you, you should have known better. Yeah, you, you money, shouldn't have produced that bangle song and then thinking yeah. you could run a record label because I think that's his production thing. Was it? But it's also like, you know, stuff like that. I mean, our side, the artists actually screwing the record company. Those stories are very few and far between. Yeah, it's like, it's always the other way around. Yeah. I mean, especially when, you know, like when we did our record, we were talking about doing like artwork for the record, right? The first record we recorded it in five days because we thought the record company going to change their mind. We're yeah. three knuckleheads from New York. These guys yeah. are EMI. They're going to freaking change their mind. So we recorded it quick, but we spent like three months putting the, the album together, the artwork, because yeah. it was so important. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know why people take a year to do records now because yeah. there's not any... All they got to do is just go in there and essentially just record their vocal yeah. well, exactly. in most cases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Funny, we're just about to start recording another album. Like oh, just cool. Any, any day, like hopefully. Yeah. And um, we've got all our stuff organised and, um, you know, there's always this wee kind of thing at the back of my head, like, I'm, I'm really happy with something and then I'm like, 
wonder, are we doing the right thing here? And then, like, Sam always points out, like, do you know what? Who gives a shit? You have to just do what you like. Mm-hmm. And you, if yeah. we like it, somebody else will like it. Yeah. And that's yeah. all that's important. Well, it's also, yeah, if you like it, people can see the integrity in that. Yeah, yeah. And that's really, that's it, gold it, nowadays. It becomes you know? a lot more believable. There's so yeah. much more emotion. Yeah. Uh, it's just a better product mm-hmm. when you can do that. If you can get But your, there was years and years and years oh, when we were to saying please. to, like, Rough Trade and Warners and all, where... You know, we would believe in something and we'd bring them a song. And they'd crap all over And they'd be just like, mm. <laughs> they, Sometimes they weren't even meaning to crap on it. Yeah, no, just they, say things. Yeah, these very un- insensitive yeah. things. Yeah. I, I, I like a fox amongst the chickens. Mm. You just throw it in there and then suddenly your head's fucking spinning. And you're going, <laughs> we made all the wrong decisions. We've got to go back and change it. Yeah, there's some knuckleheads yeah. working in the record business. And the people I've found that are actually good at doing that kind of stuff are gone because there's no money in it. Smart people don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You get the people who want to be like the knucklehead in Vegas at the club buying bottles. I'll be a record company executive, yeah. uh, but there's nothing in it money-wise. Oh, the fringe benefits are great, you know, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we were quite lucky. You know, we, when we were first signed, we were picked up by Jeff Travis mm-hmm. at you know, Rough Trade, and, you know, his, the integrity he has for music is almost second to none. Yeah, no, he, um, see, that's, that's a good place to it, go. It is yeah, good. Really Although, good. He, he did see us he knew that we didn't quite know where we settled and where we fitted in music, so he kept putting us in touch with various strange left-field songwriters, producers, whatever, engineers and things to work with and to see if we could find ourselves. We didn't quite know that was his master plan, yeah. so we thought each one was something he really wanted us to do. <laughs> yeah. so we threw our life and soul yeah. into it, and then when it didn't work out, he was like, oh, that's fine, we'll just try another one. And we were like, no, totally devastated. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you guys, you produce your own stuff now, yeah, right? So yeah, yeah, have done for the, years. Yeah, so the deal now is, right, if you are someone who has an idea on what they're doing and the technical ability to run Pro Tools yeah, to yeah. a certain extent, right, you can just make your own record. You don't need a label, you, you don't can. need a producer, you don't need... So for the most part, well, you know, I'd argue, I'd argue that an awful lot of artists need a producer. Yeah, no, I see, I that's mean, the case, yeah. So that's a big... I mean, I see so many so many artists who, who have talent to a certain degree, their strengths lie in certain places, but um, they feel like, A, they have to do everything and B... Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's expected of them, mm-hmm. so um, they they have to make the record, record the record, do the artwork, sell oh, the record. Prince, goddamn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, do you know what? No, yeah. you know, Bob Dylan didn't book his backing band when he went into the studio. <laughs> the producers did that. Yeah. You know, when when Simon Garfunkel heard "Bridge Over Troubled Water," the first time they heard the drums and strings was on the bloody radio. Yeah. It all yeah. happened in the background. You know, some of the greatest decisions ever made mm-hmm. are not made by the artist. Mm-hmm. You got to see where the artists, where the jewels lie, mm-hmm. and then you got to you know figure out how to make it the best setting. Like when we first started. We thought we needed a producer, and mm-hmm. the, like the story, well, the short version is we demoed up a couple things, sent to this guy Bob Power, who produced Tribe Called Quest and D'Angelo, and yeah. d- different stuff we liked because yeah, we, yeah. we were a rock band, but we wanted like some hip hop low end, right? Yeah, so yeah. the dude came back in front of the whole board at EMI because we had an eight record deal with EMI, so we were trying to Jesus. set a precedent. Yeah. And and the guy was like, he stood up, he's like, they don't need a producer, they need an engineer. Yeah. They need a great engineer. And like, you know, being with a big label, they do take care of certain things like booking studios yeah, and that yeah. kind of shit, which is great product managers, right? Yes, of course. The unsung heroes of the record business. The guy's like, hey, I'm just waiting for you to put out a good record. Yeah. And you're like, oh, thanks, man. No no ulterior motive? None. No. You're like, all right, cool. Just do a good job. Yeah, yeah just do, do what your heart says. You know, you're like, wow, you don't get paid by the record. Yeah. Anyway, so we went in there and we were kind of said, all right, now, especially by Bob Power kind of vindicating us, saying like, yeah, you just go in there and do what you want to do. Yeah. Having an engineer at that point who was the guy who was like, look, I love what you guys are doing, yeah. but I'm going to tell you when the re- when the song's finished. Because you, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. you can, especially That's if you're in a yeah. huge studio and yeah. there's no one checking you. Yeah. But I, I, I think a large extent, a lot of new artists try to do all that stuff because they don't want to pay anybody. And then yeah. I think it lessens their output, you know, because yeah. they're, yeah. they're concentrating all this shit. Like, I want to know what my social media status is and I also want to know where my yeah. Uber is and I also yeah. want to, it's yeah. like, you're not paying attention to your music. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That is such yeah. an important point. Well, I'll tell you what, it was great hanging with you guys, man. Amen. You too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a good podcast, I think. I think we covered a lot of ground. I think we got some stuff. We shared. We did. Well, I think that's what it's about, really. Hanging out and just talking. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the new record. Yeah, it's, it's a bit different, doesn't it? We're going really stripped back here. Oh, so just like acoustics and really, super retro. Really, like, yeah. and um, like maybe one guitar and vocal. We've one never piano. done that. Are you, are you going to be doing fiddle as well? I don't think I'll no, do that. I, I think I'm going to 
Yeah, just the new Same thing time. now is you just set up one mic and everybody just does it like they're doing it in front of people. I know. I'm. St- I still have a little bit of the old hi-fi quality. Yeah, see, isolation is like not a bad proper, thing. Yeah. We're about to go in Thursday. We're at the Gibson Studio, which apparently they, oh yeah, London. which is really nice. So they kind of go. I can only play Gibson. I was like, I yeah. only play Gibson. So we're we good. did an album launch there once. Oh really? Is it cool? Yeah. Good studio. Some great guitars. Oh yeah. See, that's yeah, the yeah. deal. I'm like, I'm not bringing shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going go down and maybe walk out with something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but getting back in the studio is always a good feeling because yeah. I haven't been to Criminals in the studio for fucking seven eight years or something so yeah. I didn't even think this day would come it was one of those things where I just... that's amazing though wasn't yeah. it yeah. but I mean, it's, it, it always happens at the right time I think yeah. I always I always get really panicky Sam's very chilled out about it but every time like we've done an album I'm like oh, fuck what are we going to do next I have no idea like I don't know what we're going to do because I know there's different directions you can take what we do and mm-hmm. you know you can kind of make it a bigger sound with like lots of people and you know, and then we write some of our own stuff, and then sometimes I'm not confident to put it on. But like, um, I got really, really itchy a couple of mm. months ago. I just said to Sam, "Do you know what? You know, I've written a song, and I just want to record it, and we're just going to put it out there and just see what happens." And if, again, if we like it, somebody else will like it. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm over it. Maybe it's because yeah. I'm older. Or something. Sometimes you just don't take a step. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, a lot of times you do get to a point where you can't give a shit anymore because it's getting in the way of your creative process. You know? that's, like, that's true. If I'm, you know? if I'm worrying about what some guy's going to think after I do something that I haven't done, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. you never get anywhere. You're chasing your tail. Yeah. So you know, it'll be we good. Go. Exciting. Yeah, I gotta check out that studio. Okay. Well. Yeah. Oh wow, we got a lot of we got a lot of stuff here. Yeah, we got 45 minutes. I could listen to your stories like all day. I could listen to yours all day i hope you enjoyed that cara and sam are very cool people you should check out their website and hey go old school buy cds of theirs you can tweet about it afterwards talking to twitter a lot of you have been asking for my next week's guest up on my social media and it's my man from new york city my man king yes the abominable showman he's a bandmate one of my best friends in the world the one you want to hear tales of old new york from for real Get your ears ready for this one, folks. It is interesting to say the very least. So until next time, don't forget to subscribe to the pod. That way you'll never miss an episode. And be nice. Leave us one of them five-star reviews while you're at it up on iTunes. And uh, until next time, y'all stay classy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.